Hi, and welcome to the sixth ever episode of The Sound of Not Getting Laid, where we're asking the question, do women really hate prog rock? My guest this week is a woman, Karen Mullen. Hear how Karen tortured her sisters with the Beatles. Listen to her feelings concerning firearms as an incentive to listen to Yes. Hear Karen question my sexual habits while listening to Prague. All this and more on The Sound of Not Getting Laid. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Stairs. Stairs. Without them, you'd live on the ground floor. Hi, and welcome to The Sound of Not Getting Laid, uh, where we ask the question, do women really hate prog rock? Do they? I don't know. Today I have with me... Jennifer Jones. <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore. No. Okay. My real name is Karen Mullen. How you doing, Karen? I'm doing okay. It's a beautiful day here in Brooklyn. It is. It is. Nice and sunny here in lovely Bay Ridge. It seems warmer in Bay Ridge. Could be. Yeah. It's, it's prime geography. Um, what do you do? I worked for an advertising agency where everything is a big fill-in-the-blank deal. Mm-hmm. Yes. What else? What do you, what do you, um, what do, you do outside of work? I study voice and... I'm taking an acting class, uh-huh. which is fun. Yeah. Even though everybody's dirty and I'm old enough to be their grandmothers, but that's okay. That's okay. How old are you? Shall I lie? I won't lie, Matt. I'm 65. Okay. And where are you from? I'm from Boston. She said in a very un-Bostonian <laughs> accent. Don't want to sound like Mother of God, your father cut his arm in the car door. <laughs> Uh, so what kind of music do you listen to, uh, did you listen to, I should say, in high school, college years? Definitely Beatles. Mm-hmm. Definitely 60s. And then, because I was a theater major, show tunes. Uh-huh. Show tunes. And what do you primarily listen to now? Um, Should I just re- cut and paste that answer again? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Oldies and show tunes. Uh-huh. But anything else? Have you added anything else really to the repertoire? I have not. I have to say that Jennifer gave me a copy of Hamilton months ago, and I haven't listened to it. Isn't that that's a crime? Yeah. Well, no. So, uh, do you know what prog rock is? Are you familiar with it at all as a genre, a subgenre of well, rock I'm and roll? Well, I'm not really. But when you mention the names of the bands, you know. Right. My sister was a big Yes fan, so I heard really? all that stuff. Oh, yeah, interesting. And you see a younger sister, older sister? I'm the oldest. Okay. So I made them listen to the Beatles. One, two, my other three, sister made five. us listen to Elvis. Mm-hmm. My other sister made us listen to Jethro Tull, and she made us listen to Yes. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, these guys, most of these bands were obviously influenced by the Beatles. Uh, some of them even did some Beatles covers. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, uh, Yes did a, a cover of uh, Every Little Thing. Well, it's not in the repertoire, but we can put it on later, uh, so you can hear that. It's interesting. It's a nice little, uh, a nice little uh, homage to our to the Fab Four from Liverpool. So, uh, first song uh, up here is King Crimson from uh, In the Court of the Crimson King, 1969. Uh, the song is called. 21st century schizoid man with mirrors. Without further ado, here's King Crimson. Is it over? (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, that actually is the end of the song. I should ask you the running time before we started. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm used to the three-minute song. That is a, a seven-minute and twenty-four-second song. Yeah, it's it it's rather symphonic, I think, in it in it, all the little pieces that kind of yes come together. That's a common theme in this genre in general. Huh. It, and a couple of times it seemed like it was just going off the rails, but then it sort of came back in again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was one segment near the end that sounded like a theme song for Mission Impossible or one of those TV. <laughs> I don't know where in the song it was. You mean the... Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and, and these guys, a lot of times, you know, Mission Impossible themes in 5-4. Uh, so these guys are, are no strangers to the odd meter. But... Uh, wait, wait. Do you like this? Do you know what? I thought I was going to hate it. <laughs> it's not something I'd put on at breakfast. Um, no? This isn't a get up and go to school song? No. Okay. Um, but it was interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think, if you look at it and think of all the creativity that goes into putting all these pieces together and then letting them expand and contract. Or, right. And what did you say something about mirrors? Uh, the, the that middle section, the instrumental section, is actually called mirrors. Oh, it's called mirrors. Yeah, it's, it's a it's like a it's a it's like a movement within you know, and that's another theme is like the, a lot of these things were structured like uh, classical music where there's movements. Oh, okay, and, that, yeah. And and also, I'll just say I'm taking this out of context, so the, you know, that song has a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. And the one after it is actually really soothing and has a lot of space and there's fl- flutes and everyone's singing in a proper British accent. And so is stuff. it the era of the concept album where? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're definitely, you know, along with Pink Floyd and some of the psychedelic rock, the Beatles, uh, these guys were, were continuing that tradition of, of concept albums. So, yeah, a lot of this stuff is supposed to segue into the next song, and the next song is a release. It's it's mm-hmm. it's free of that tension. So, you know, I am taking it out of context, but um, but it is the first song on the album. Yeah. It is the, that is how they start the album. Yeah, those names look familiar. Is is this guy go off to do Emerson Lake and Palmer? No, just Greg Lake. Yes. yes, that's correct. Left King Crimson to join Emerson Lake and Palmer, uh, which we will hear later on, uh, which was considered a supergroup. Of prog rock because they all came from Carl uh, uh, Palmer came from the crazy world of Arthur Brown. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and and they they had you know they sort of, they were kind of pioneers of prog rock that band Arthur Brown uh, and uh, Keith Emerson was in the Nice. Uh, they, their big hit was a version of America. Yeah. And then, of course, Greg Lake uh, from from here. So, uh, w- w- are you going to go pick this up at the local record store? No, no, no. Okay, well, that's fair enough. So that's a no for King Crimson. <laughs> it's well, it's an it's an it's a that I didn't think I don't dislike it as much as I came in thinking that okay. I would. So right. that's you almost. I'm like trying it. to be open minded about this. <laughs> sure, I appreciate that. The other thing is, is with, you know, the more you listen to it, the more you'll get to like it. Because the more you'll right. know it. Right. As opposed to being surprised by this 
going this way or that going that way or whatever. Right. There's a certain element of uh, unpredictability as opposed to, you know, a, a one, four, five, three minute pop song that has, you know, a voice, a verse, chorus, bridge, uh, verse, yeah. chorus, bridge, yeah. and then you know, repeat. Um, these guys were more like, you know, in, in, in that way, they're more like classical music. Mm-hmm. No, you know, you usually don't put on Beethoven's Ninth and remember all the movements. It takes a few lessons, uh, listens. Um, so, yeah, that's that's accurate. Um, this is not. It, it's not easy listening. Right. You got you got the guy, the guys wanted you to do some work. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. not. Um, um, What's his name? Herb Alpert and You are singing Spanish Flea. I believe is the tune you're you're quoting. That there. would be easy listening. Yes. 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 Uh, correct. <laughs> Cocktail hour at the Playboy Mansion, circa 1965. Next up, we're gonna go to uh, 1971 uh, Genesis. Now this is Genesis. Pre Phil Collins. No, no, Phil is in the band. He is behind the drums. Keeping his big Not mouth shut. It. Yeah. Uh, so the band at this point is fronted by Mr. Peter Gabriel, uh, who we all know from yes. uh, uh, you know his his solo career after Genesis. Um, and of course, you know, three of these guys: uh, Tony Banks, Phil Collins, Mike Rutherford. Uh, they they remained Genesis and went in a more pop direction in the '80s. Um, so the song I chose from this one because this is Genesis's more uh, prog rocky era. Uh, but let me ask you a question. I, sure. I feel that when Phil Collins was the singer in Genesis, that they would just get in the studio and just make this up. Like there wasn't a lot of pre-planning. It, you think they were just winging it? Yeah. Okay. It, is that true? I, I, I don't mean, know about about that. You mean like stuff like Invisible Touch or Land of Confusion? Or Sue Sue Studio, whatever that means. That might means. be Phil Collins solo. I don't think oh, that's okay. Genesis. Okay. But yeah, that kind of stuff is yeah, just. Well, I'll reserve my opinion. But this you, is about what you think. <laughs> but you didn't think you don't think that was the case in early Genesis. No. Uh, well, you tell me. Uh, I don't think so. No. But uh, this is this is really more about what you think and feel about the boys in Genesis. Uh, so this is 1971. The album's called Nursery Crimes. The song I chose is uh, The Return of the Giant Hogweeds. So, <laughs> and uh, it, should you want to read along, the uh, libretto is here on the LP sleeve. Um, but uh, let's get to it. it over <laughs> yes it is they, they keep you guessing right this song well I just in general it just you don't know when it's gonna end what? you know it, I, just, I studied lyric writing with a woman named Sheila Davis she has some books out um, and you we were told to read the lyrics out loud before we put the music and the lyric together oh that's interesting because emotionally your brain goes to the music before it goes to the lyrics Yours does. Well, or you think in general? I can. No, you go to the music, not the lyric. I go to the lyric. But uh-huh. Most people go to the music. Right. That's how I listen. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
I'm not sure these lyrics would have helped, though. But it, there's, something, <laughs> there's something vapid about this. I, you know, at least the first, the King Crimson song seemed to have a musical structure. Mm-hmm. This was just kind of repetitious and doesn't really go anywhere mm-hmm. to my ears. Okay. Now, maybe the lyrics might have helped that, uh-huh. but... Probably not. <laughs> Were you reading the, the I lyrics? I was trying to read it, but then I was too distracted trying to read the lyrics and listen to the music at okay. the same time. Well, you know, feel free to read the lyrics before we start if you want. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. So, you going to run out and buy this one? Absolutely not. <laughs> Nor any of Phil Collins' solo work. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. What does Sue Sue Studio mean anyway? It's it's garbage. (laughs) No one cares. So so that's a no. That's a no. From the boys in Genesis. This just didn't really resonate with you at all, huh? No. Okay. You're a little disappointed. Am I disappointed? Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting much much from (laughs) Genesis. Sorry. Excellent. Okay. So, moving on. Our next selection is from 1972. Uh, Yes, Fragile. The song is Roundabout. I know that song. You you may have heard this song once or twice on the radio. Uh, It was very popular. It still gets rotation on the uh, hard rock stations. Um, You know. So, uh, yeah. Uh, These lyrics were about... Uh, a trip from Aberdeen to Glasgow uh, where they encountered many roundabouts. You know what a roundabout is? Yeah, a traffic, traffic circle. circle. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, and, and things we they call saw. them rotaries in Boston. Is that right? Rotaries. I didn't know that. Um, is that how Bostonians pronounce it? I can't remember. Without further ado, here is Yes with Roundabout. <laughs> They're getting progressively longer as we go. Uh, that one clock's in at... Uh, like 10, 9 or 10 minutes? No, it's only eight and a half. Yeah, just felt like... No. Actually, musically, it was much more interesting than mm-hmm. the, than the uh, Phil Collins, than Genesis. Yeah. Um, although you get... You know, the I love the guitar opening. Mm-hmm. As I say, I've heard this song before. Sure. And then you come back to it and you think, oh, now it's going to end. But no, you go. they go on an extended riff and they're just jamming, jamming, jamming. <laughs> right, right, and then right. it finally comes back yeah. to the end. Mm-hmm. And the words are not important. Not that you can really not, understand them anyway. But, right. yeah, I mean, I don't dislike this song. Uh-huh. Um, and there's certainly a lot more musical, interesting, interesting musical things going on there. Right. Than there were with the... Genesis. Well, and I think all of these bands, as they got further into the 70s, they got better at what they were doing. And, uh, you know, they just, they got more used to their equipment. You know, because synthesizers, um, especially in in the late 60s, were relatively new. Mm. The Mellotron. And And who was their producer? I mean, because the production on this is really good. uh, Eddie Odford. Uh, That's a good point. He worked with them for years, and he does, he did an outstanding production. I mean, it sounds like it was recorded yesterday. It's really top-notch. It's mixed well. Uh, So, yes, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. So, uh, you know, something you'd you'd pick up? (laughs) 
you can just type the answer no and just plug it, <laughs> plug it so in. So just cut and paste that for, the, for all of these? <laughs> yes. Well, we haven't gotten to the last one yet, right? No, we have two more. We have two more. We have two more. Footy, 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 footy. Magical wizard man. Um, and and it's, 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 uh, that was another aspect of prog rock. Uh, you know, you can see here Peter Gabriel used to get into some things uh, where he would, you know, he had bat wings or he was a, he was a giant flower. Uh, so there was a theatrical yes. aspect to this, you know, especially with, um, you know, <laughs> maybe that would have helped you with Genesis if you could see the visuals as well as, as an audio visual experience, more like theater, cause you're a big fan mm. of theater. Uh, but, but, it's but then again, maybe not. <laughs> but it's interesting how over the years of music, you know, you have a certain presentation and then you have to vary it. I mean, the Beatles had matching suits, then we get into the late sixties and everybody looks all different. And then right. you have to do something to visually, you know, I'm thinking David Bowie, Elton John, you have mm -hmm, to like mm -hmm. add stuff. Todd Rudgren also. To make it look interesting. Right, 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 right. So it's more of a spectacle. Right. And maybe that hides the, the lack of quality in the music, or maybe it doesn't. <laughs> a I don't distraction, know. right. Yeah. I, th I think their intention was that it added to it's it, bad, but, sure. uh, um, you know, yeah, maybe, who knows, maybe they were a little insecure about these compositions, and therefore, I think, that, no, I think they No, just, yeah, it's, it was just a creating a whole environment right. for you to enjoy. Right, and they were high. <laughs> and so was and so was the audience. So they, yes, probably. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and yeah, like the Beatles. You know, you mentioned them. I think about the, before the suits, you know, pomade and leather jackets. They right. wanted to be Elvis. Elvis you right. know. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's all just a uniform, but. Uh, this subgenre had its own sort of theatrical uniform going on, uh, you know. He looks in that chair like Morticia Adams in an alternate universe. <laughs> really? He's got a little. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now there's there's a mashup. Yes, as the Adams family. <laughs> Oh, uh, so you think he's got a little Carolyn Jones thing going on with the long, straight hair. And the chair. Yeah, and the chair. Right, because she had the exact same giant wicker chair. Didn't everybody have one of those in their house in the 60s and 70s? I didn't. You didn't. Okay. I had one in the 90s. But, you know, I was high. So I thought that was a pro. It was really uncomfortable. You're like, you got all these these marks, marks in, in your legs <laughs> from the pattern of the chair. Like, you needed to... You know, wear some heavy pants with that, or you were, it probably ruined many a lady's uh, nylon. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So that's, uh, again, it's a, it's a pass for you, for the boys, and yes, you're, you're, you're not. Well, if you put a gun to my head and said I had to buy one of these three, I would take yes. <laughs> but nobody's putting a gun to my okay. head. Okay, so. gun to the head, yes. she'd listen to yes. All right, thanks. Uh, we're going to move along to 1973. So, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, yeah, so this is November 1973. Um, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, what can we say about them? They're a super group. They were formed. Uh, Greg Lake, we already mm -hmm. heard his vocals. Uh, anyway, he left King Crimson, and uh, Keith Emerson uh, left the nice... 
And Carl Palmer left um, the crazy world of Arthur Brown to form Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Yeah, so what we're going to listen to now is Carnival 9, Impression 1, Part 1. So here we go. What year was this? Tell me again. Uh, 1973. So were there still AM and FM? Because there's a piece of, pieces of this song that I've that are, sound familiar to my ear. You probably are more familiar with part two of this, where okay. it comes back in with that like same keyboard halfway, thing. A little halfway. Yeah. yeah. And it starts with, welcome back, my yes. friends, to the show that never ends. Right. We're so glad you could attend. Uh, that one got more airplay than part one, because part one, of course, is eight and a half minutes long. Okay. Um, so. You know, it started off kind of, I felt Bach, like there was kind of a contrapuntal thing going on yes. in the very beginning. That right. was interesting. Keith is, is very classically trained, and he brings a lot of that. Jazz and classical. He brought a lot of classical music to these compositions, and even he was very influenced by uh, Dave Brubeck, uh-huh. who was very... Right? Take five? Is that Dave Brubeck? Yes. yes. Uh, these guys used to perform Blue Rondo a la Turk. What do you think? Well, you know, there are a lot of different parts to this, mm-hmm. and to my ears, it didn't really cohere into an organized piece of music. Uh-huh. You think it didn't work overall? I suppose contrasting it with Careless Whispers was probably not a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> Maybe. That was, that's too much. That's too far in the opposite direction in, by comparison. Yeah. Well, that was just a, a palate cleanser, yes. so... Um, that's an interesting point, though. Um, yeah, and I, what else did they have that was a hit on the radio? Because I uh, know... Lucky Man. Uh, they also did uh, From the Beginning. So, so not something you're going to run to no, the no, record no, store No, 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 but what's by. funny is is familiarity doesn't necessarily <laughs> breed contempt. Like, sometimes the more familiar you are with something... Like, when we got to the part that I had heard that section, I thought, right. oh, I know this. Right, right, right. So right. that makes it a little more... Accessible. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Accessible, yeah, yes. Yeah. But no, I'm not going to buy this. Sorry. <laughs> so that's a no. That's a no. For the boys, the super group, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Well, it's like when McCartney came into the Beatles and said, oh, I just wrote this great song. It's, uh, please lock me away and don't allow the day here inside where I hide. My loneliness. And Lennon said, We're not doing that. <laughs> so we, We're not doing that again. Yeah. So he gave it they gave it he gave it to Peter and Gordon and it was a number one hit. Really? Oh, World, I didn't World know Without that. Love. That's why when you started singing it, it I, I drew a blank. I'm like, I don't know that Beatles song. Well, they didn't record it, you know. Um, but he, he did that for some other bands too. He wrote great songs for Badfinger. Uh, come and get it. Was, was no matter what you are, I will always be with you. <laughs> okay, so um, that's a no. That's a no. For, for that one. For our final track, we're going to leap ahead to 1981. Now, uh, prog rock was getting a reputation for being pretentious, overplaying, too many notes, as they say in Amadeus. Uh, <coughs> oh, 
So um, Rush, the boys from Canada, uh, the only Canadian band, uh, the only non-English band we're going to listen to today, uh, started paring down. They, they were getting sick of their own pretentiousness. Uh, so they started paring down their songs to, to more of a pop music length and format uh but still retaining like this is probably one of the last albums where they still retain elements of prog uh there's synthesizers uh you know complex drum parts stuff like that but it's it's a little more it's getting more ear friendly so this is i would i i like to uh this is the other bookend we started with king crimson and this is sort of by the, by the 80s a lot of these prog rock bands either went pop or just you know uh, got out of the game. Uh, you know, Genesis, of course, went pop. Uh, bands, uh, the band Asia, mm-hmm. remember Heat of the Moment? Uh, those were all prog rock guys. Uh, the guitar player was from Yes. The bass player was from King Crimson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the keyboard player, uh, I don't know where the fuck he was from. It doesn't matter. But um, so, you know, these guys, they realized like, you know, after New Wave and punk rock came in and destroyed their pretentiousness and their their, you know, dragon-slaying, cape-wearing agenda, Uh, they, you know, they they realized, they sobered up a little bit. I think they put the bong down and stopped dropping so much acid and said, all right, let's get to work and make a little money here. So we're going to hear probably their most popular song, which is Tom Sawyer from uh, Moving Pictures, um, 1981. Let's listen. hard part is knowing when it's going to end. Uh, <laughs> it is officially over now. Yeah. Good. Um, there, there's this, maybe the order you're playing them in, you know, it's a case of diminishing returns. I just think it's, um, it was rather repetitive. Well, this is, they're getting back to more of a pop format. So yeah, yeah, there's not as much, uh, there's not as many parts. But that didn't make it any more interesting. <laughs> But the production value, I love that I could hear the drums so clearly. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, and, and again, uh, this is 1981, so the boys in the studio are getting it right, and there's better equipment, there's better uh, facilities, and these guys were pretty organized and pretty tight. I mean, you, you go and see them live, and Neil is nailing all of those fills exactly. It's written that way. It's not improvised. Mm-hmm. It's written. So, um, you know, that's... Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, but I wouldn't buy this one either. <laughs> but I want to remark on your title. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. The Sound of Not Getting Laid, Do Women Really Hate Prog Rock? Yeah. And my question is, would someone actually put this on in the background when they were going to have sex? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, may, I may have had a, a, a amorous moment. To some of these albums, but the person I was with was also okay. a prog rock fan. But no, it's not my go-to. Do you know there's a story? There's a segment of the Johnny Carson show when an old, older Frank Sinatra comes on the show, and Johnny says to him, "Listen, when uh, you have a lady friend over, 
whose records do you put on? <laughs> right. <laughs> he can't put on his own, right? <laughs> well, maybe he could. It depends on how, how much of a narcissist he is, you know. So, uh, again, a no. Uh, the Boys in Rush didn't redeem the genre for you. Sorry. Okay. No, you don't have you to know, be sorry. You knew this coming in, though. I mean, hence, I, You know, I, I'm actually surprised. Uh, I, I had some opinions about what might happen. And, uh, you know, I haven't gotten, uh, I've only gotten one hard no. And that was from our friend Kim. But um, I didn't ring the bell once. Well, that, that speaks to your uh, Catholic upbringing, I think. And, and you as a musician, you, you're, you're, you're taking the time to respect these compositions and the work put into it. And you can appreciate it. Yeah, that. absolutely. You're right. Absolutely. But aesthetically... What is it? I mean, w w was this evoking any feelings for you? Emotionally, no. None of these songs? No. Okay. Intellectually, uh -huh. you know, from my ears, I was thinking, oh, well, this is, this is a lot of work and a mm -hmm. lot of creativity goes into creating this right. album that I would never buy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... <laughs> <clears throat> That's so. What do you look for in the music that you like? Does it have to? Uh, oh, it has to be. Yeah, there has to be an emotional connection. Okay, and this and none of this no, made none. a connection for you today. You know, it also depends on where you are at a certain stage in your life, right? Right. You know, if I, at my age now, heard the Beatles, there's a guy, there's a guy in my local bar, and he was saying, "Oh, the early stuff was terrible." And I'm thinking, you know, I was 15. I thought it was brilliant, you know. So I guess it, where in your life it hits you, you know. Right, right. It's Obviously, it's not terrible. Otherwise, it would not have been as popular as it was. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's why I asked the question, you know, what did you listen to in high school and college? Because people tend to go back to that, you know, uh, unless you're... You know, I'm a musician. I, 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 I'm constantly listening to new music, but uh, most people, they kind of cling to, you know, like you, you, like you said, you stick to the Beatles and show tunes. You know, that's what you grew up with. Uh, that's what you like, and that's what you still like. Um, so, yeah, and there's a certain element of that for me with this music. It resonates to a time and a place. You know, usually sitting in a, in, in a, in a filthy apartment where there's a, an inch of dust on everything except the stereo. And the stereo was state-of-the-art. The couch was from the 1950s with holes in it and, you know. But, you know, that the stereo was pristine and, you know, all the records were you know, organized. And, you know, so, yeah. So, uh, Karen. Yes. Do you like prog rock? I'm afraid, Matt, that I don't like prog rock. Okay. Well, it's time to wrap it up, folks. I'm your host, Matt Bergman. We got a no, I don't like prog rock from Karen on the subject discussed. I'd like to thank my guest, Karen Mullen. Without her, I would have drank 8 to 12 beers and listened to the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. And a special thanks to you, the listener. Because as we all know, if a podcast is playing in the woods, no one's around to hear it, it sucks. 